0: pod 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 rugby pod
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod on Mandy Rowe. Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. Beer 52 are with us throughout the Six Nations and are offering you free beers delivered straight to your door from the very best breweries on the planet. You can get a case of eight free beers and there's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think, and you can pause or cancel at any time. It's perfect to go with your Six Nations viewing. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers for free. And there's only a couple of weeks left to get those eight free beers in, so if you haven't done it already, make sure you go and get involved. How's your week been, boys? James, shall we start with you? We can do, but I
2: like looking at you today. You've got a bit of colour in your face, which... uh... Has been rare over recent weeks, but
0: anyway, it's enough about you. And on to and on, and on to me. Sun's out, guns out, lads, eh? Um, Why well, are you looking so pasty then? If I'm, I've been sat out in the garden for two days. It's absolutely lovely down here. It's about fourteen degrees, and we've got a sun trap in our garden, so the sun beats down. There's no wind. We've been out there Saturday, Sunday with the kids.
2: I bet your garden isn't even is it south facing it's that big it doesn't even matter if it's south facing does it <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: one of those it is actually south facing so uh, yeah very nice but why am i so pasty well, always yeah, so pasty
2: well the sun's out in scotland but it's still minus three so <laughs> it's uh it, that's been nice i mean what a what a week uh, maybe i'm saying that off the back of what a weekend but yeah my weekend looked very different to what it should have been i was the most excited I've been since the last time I went down to London to do the England-Scotland game. I thought I was going down, put it on social media, bit of a black and white photo, build the mood, set, set the mood. People are like, ha, you won't be going. I know that Scotland-France isn't going to be happening, but I'm still thinking, they're going to want me. After me showing against England, yeah. they're going to want me still. Got the message, didn't I, on Thursday, Friday, not needed. <laughs> it's one of them. You know like when you're about to go on a lad's night out, or... Anywhere without the family, right? With your mates, <laughs> you do everything in it before, won't you? You'd be happy to get up in the morning. You're yeah. making dinner. How is everyone? I'll do a bit of the homework, kids. I'll help you with the coloring books. But how are you feeling? Have a sleep. Have a sleep. Do you want a coffee? Like what? Anything and everything. Because I know I'm going away. Super husband, eh. Super husband. I know that I'm going away. For what is one day, but I'm going to stretch it out to three or four. <laughs> so I, I tell you, flat as a pancake on Sunday. I'm like, I, I should be in London now on the big screen, but I wasn't. Uh, I was on there for three minutes via Zoom, and uh, and that's as far as it got. But as we know, and we'll get into Andrew, and we spoke about it today. I'm on my phone an unhealthy amount at the minute. Yes, <laughs> it is not healthy. um As we've seen, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in today's show. I think a lot of people are on their phone an unhealthy amount. How easy is it just to type a few things on your phone and just throw it out there to the to the 70.4 thousand that I've now accumulated on Twitter? It's just too easy. And there's almost yeah. a part of me that has woken up today on Monday, I don't know whether me doing that is the right thing to do. One of my tweets was like, oh my ref. And I was like, is that a bit harsh or is it a bit funny or... No, actually, it's probably about right, actually. To be yeah,
0: fair. it's about, you question yourself, Jim. And I think the thing that people are doing at the minute because you can't do anything right so we're in a lockdown and but everyone's getting a bit antsy now because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel with what's happening Jim and I had a phone call earlier had a chat and I was like mate what about our screen time at the minute what are you what are you clocking up a day and it's I'm I'm embarrassed to say I can't much. even say it Yeah, I cannot
2: <laughs> even say it Shall we share it or not? Shall we share it,
0: Andrew? I've got a good excuse, Jim. In the four weeks since my operation, I've left the house twice to go and see my surgeon uh, specialist, Andy Roach, who's an absolute legend fixing the old ankle. Uh, And last week was quite exciting. Thursday, I managed to get in an Uber, drive into London with the Uber man um, with my mask on, and he's got a screen up and everything like that. And I've had the cast off. The cast uh, has come off my leg and I'm in Das Boot, Jim. I'm in Das Boot. The leg is breathing. It is breathing. Oh, it's sweaty now because the boots are. Uh, das Boot is a bit making it a bit sweaty. So I try and get it off as much as possible. But I've got a good excuse, though. And so have you. We do all our work on our phone as well, Jim, yeah, sometimes, don't we? Yeah,
2: well, that's what I'm trying
0: to say to the minister. It's misses, all our so, emails. Yeah. So when you're clocking up 12 hours of uh, screen time a day, Jim, that's. Share I mean, the
2: number. Let's share the honest numbers. Okay. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by this number because. I'm seeing my phone more than my kids it seems and this is last week where I thought I was the best dad ever because I thought I was going down to London and I averaged seven hours a day I'm I, I'm embarrassed to say it is that a lot or not I'd love to know what the masses think with that and Andrew what were you you were nine hours one day you told me was uh, one day
0: ten? I got no one day I got up to nine and a half hours but my average uh, you talk about toppers my average was seven and a half hours but the you know the nanny cat takes the kids out for four days a week so and I'm working on my phone and you know I'm scrolling through social media it is addictive and I, I try to put the phone down and read a book and uh, it's like anything you start reading a book and when you get those moments when your mind wanders when you're reading the book does anyone else get that you're reading the book you should just be fully focused on what do you think <laughs> exactly yeah and then I think oh sorry I put the book down what's happening in the world and have a flick again so it's yeah, I mean it's it is addictive isn't it you just find yourself doing it the whole time and it's weird isn't it and especially this weekend i'm going to be better especially this weekend but and that's
2: what it goes back to goody i'm after this weekend i'm going to be better and i don't know what better is i don't know whether that's more strategic in my timing of posting stuff so i'll get more followers or <laughs> just don't say anything at all or go down your route and give a running commentary on everything that's happening because you're lying on your back and you've got your dash boot on and you're an influencer well, yeah
1: we're influencers we are. and I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. We're talking about social media, a lot of angry English fans out there at the moment. What do you make of the uh, Sonia McLaughlin stuff?
2: When you're in the public eye and the public domain, people are going to throw stones, aren't they? You know, for a number of reasons. So with Sonia, it could be around her being a woman. You know, why is she in that job, and we see some of the best women are in that job. Sonia's great at asking questions. Gabby Logan, the same as a presenter. Jill Douglas as well. So you get some people um, who are women in them positions that are fantastic and better than men. And Sonia's a woman that asks the difficult questions. Me and Goody have about it before when she called Eddie Jones out on that interview. Uh, it was brilliant because it was actually the questions that we're all, and we probably wouldn't have the, the knackers to ask him, you know, or Owen after a game. But the questions that she's asking is, is what we want to know effectively, and it's the obvious. And the way that the world is now, and I think it has been enhanced more in the rugby fraternity because of lockdown, because we're not in the pubs, chatting about the games with our mates and and vetting about refereeing decisions and, you know, and whatever. But it's just shone a light, I think, more so on the need for regulations around social media. I know there's a load of stuff out there, some solutions. But from Sonia's perspective, Goody, I know that you put a tweet out. I messaged her as well. It's a shame because she's obviously been deeply affected by some comments that have come her way. And, you know, we'll reiterate, there's a fine line between... And have we, you know, do, do I know that line? You know, do we know that line about what we put out on social media, how that affects people? But one thing's for certain is, I think, you know, if the stuff's true, which is, which seems to be around Sonia and, you know, we can talk about Genji later, um, then it's disgusting.
0: Yeah, I think the big thing around it is there's a very big difference between having an opinion, which Twitter is built for people having their opinions. And how you portray that opinion and whether you throw abuse in with it. So I watched the pre-match build-up and Sonia McLaughlin did an amazing, what I thought was an amazing interview with Owen Farrell uh, in the week building up to the game. So she's gone to their training base at the Lensbury, interviewed him and asked him some tough questions. I just thought it was, and I actually tweeted a brilliant interview from Sonia McLaughlin, asking Owen Farrell some tough questions. And she was asking him about form, asking about the attack and kept going until he got an answer. Uh, and we all know what Owen Farrell's like. He's spiky, but he doesn't want to give, you know, he's always just talking about, oh, we're going to get better, we're going to train hard and get better and all that stuff. And that's his right and that's his prerogative. But Sonny McLaughlin is a journo doing her job, asking questions that probably the majority of people want to hear the answers to. So what I actually tweeted pre-match, how good I thought the interview was and how she she probed and asked fair but tough questions. And then everything after the game, if you're a any reporter, any journalist, any interviewer, in the world, after the game, you get a chance to ask Owen Farrell and Eddie Jones questions about that game. You're going to ask about the referee,
2: which the millions of people are talking about, and she'll yeah. know that as well.
0: Yeah, the two decisions, and you're going to not just go, "Oh, what do you think of the referee?" And if he doesn't answer, move on. You're going to probe him because that's your job as a journalist. And then you're going to ask about the discipline, of the players, and then you're going to ask, you know, other stuff about the game. She did a perfect job in terms of asking questions. And what it's boiled down to is, you know, this, like Jim said, this social media thing now of people just coming out harsh abuse now i got called a tory see you next tuesday because i said it wasn't i didn't think it was a knock-on what does tory mean conservative obviously i thought it was victoria well <laughs> was yeah about. so disagree with me ballcat. By, by all accounts i don't care i've got thick skin as we know there's a lot of it and it's very thick but some people take it in different ways once you get abusive i'm happy to have a, de- a debate on anything because the bottom line is twitter's about opinions and social media you're allowed to put your opinion out there but when you tag When you have an opinion and tag that with abuse, that's the difference and that's the issue. You know, Genji, and we'll come on to that one as well, you know, he said he's had death threats. If you're having a death threat, that's something you've got to go straight to the police with because there's a criminal offence.
2: There's a part of me in all this, right? And it's easy to say, as a player, I struggled sometimes with critique from the media or I struggled from the exterior perspective. Mark McCall called me out on it and we had a deep and meaningful conversation in... Verbier, or wherever we were, while he was holding a giant. Another another trip, another trip. Yeah, (laughs) let me set the scene. He was holding a giant blow up penis, and he asked me why I didn't have the confidence of Jono, for example. It's probably because I was paid half the amount he was. Um, <laughs> or Marrow and we could talk about him as well. But there's an element of me now. We're in the media or whatever. We've got an opinion. We're paid to give an opinion. You have to be able to give an opinion. You have to be able to pass judgment, which is something that I'm not overly comfortable with all the time. But I know that that's my job. And most of the time, I'm arguably wrong. Look at the Wales stuff. Look at Alan Wynne-Jones and stuff around him. Arguably, I'm wrong. But people are giving me shit online. Of course they are. I don't know these people. They don't know me. And I'm sure the people listening to this or who've listened to this before are probably sick of my voice, right? And there'll be a small minority of people out there that are like, oh, I've had enough of this bloke. But the millions of you out there think I'm an absolute legend. So (laughs) it doesn't really matter. But it is that small minority that can sometimes be the louder voice. Be the louder voice, exactly, Andrew. And that makes you feel shit about yourself. But, you know, I said to Sonia, like, you've got to base what you're doing on your inner circle. As it were, my advice would be, and my advice to my kids will be was just don't read it, and as hard as that is and as easy as this is that to say, it's like I always say. social media is heaven and hell. seven hours average on my phone, probably six hours of that is Twitter heaven and hell there's a lot of devils about. You know, and there really is. And there might not be as many devils as angels. God, I'm getting all amen. Brother, amen. (laughs) Love you. Um, But that's the way of the world. It isn't an isolated incident with Sonya or Genji or yourself. It's everywhere, unfortunately. So, you know, just we'll try and spread a bit
1: more love and a bit more positivity because I'm sure we're going to come onto a load of positive shit now. (laughs) Jim, you mentioned you weren't on the big screen. That's because... France and Scotland weren't even on the pitch in Paris. How's the investigation going, boys? What's the latest? What do we know?
0: Oh, my Fabian and his glasses. That's all I'm saying. And the waffles. Yeah, we don't know much about the
2: waffles in Rome, but we know now that it's come out about Fabian. Literally, you couldn't script it. Well, you could. Sorry, you could script it. You could script it because if any team was going to fall to the COVID sword, um it was going to be France unfortunately um and it's ridiculous when you look at it you, you you look at and I spoke about it on ITV whether or not they published it I probably sounded really negative when I spoke about it but there's not much positivity around it is there you know let, let's just look let set the scene for the millions of people who can't remember what happened obviously France doing really well in the tournament had a really good win against Ireland over in Dublin um they're celebrating the win right in normal times, not a problem whatsoever, except this time the players are having to social distance for the bloody anthems, right? They're in these COVID bubbles, secure bubbles. That they, Put it this way, the England team aren't even allowed to leave their room, okay? Once they get back to training, they have to come out in different pods to sit down. The Scotland teams as well. You get an hour out of your room. The rest of the time, you're in your room together. You know, France are in the changing rooms after the after the, the game. And again, opening them up a bit here. They wear the masks. you've got the match day 23 plus mates or plus plus the traveling reserves you've got sean edwards shouting teabag on the on the bench which is (laughs) it looks brilliant it really does but in the situation we find ourselves in it's mental and what's even more mental is that they're not cameras from the broadcaster They're their own social media people videoing it, thinking it's play on. (laughs) So from a French perspective, they think it's play on. Then I go back to it again. We took the piss about it. One of my mates is a physio for Ireland now he's triple masking he's got a visor on he's got his gloves tucked in underneath a ppe underneath he's got ppe over the top he can barely breathe and he's on there treating players and you've got the french physios running on there who wear the mask What i'll tell you where it is it's just over my mouth now i ain't a scientist or a <laughs> doctor but i'm thinking something you know ain't going to stop covid getting in or getting out but again who am i to judge and then what happens is is an investigation goes in to to find out How did this happen? Was it the waffles in Rome, which is rumoured to have been had by the French team uh, in the lead up to the Italy game, or is it something else? And we're thinking, all right, might be a young lad. We're in about seventh player coming in to the uh, bubble to train. Oh no, oh no! It's it's the top dog. It's the top boss. It's the (laughs) top dog. Of course it is. It's Fabian, the absolute cowboy who don't give a shit (laughs) when we're at Montpellier as my head coach. He didn't give a shit about the players. He didn't get. You know, it just it was bigger than the game. There you go. It's him. Of course it is. And now what? Now they're talking about playing the game on the 28th or 29th of March. Pro 14 final. Exeter are playing Gloucester on the Friday night. So Hoggy and um, uh, Johnny Gray won't be able to play unless Exeter release them. Chris Harris will be playing. Uh, Cam Redpath at Bath is playing that weekend. You know, Rassen have got a release, Finn. It's an absolute shit show. And that's yeah. why I tweeted three weeks ago.
0: Scotland 28, France nil. <laughs> yeah. It is bizarre. And the other thing that you didn't mention then, Jim, is they also started pointing the finger elsewhere, didn't they? They said, oh, it probably started in Ireland and blame the Irish. Deny, deny, re <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so French, it's unbelievable. You're like, you're flying the tournament, you're two from two, and you've just self-imploded. And then Bernard de Port comes out and says, oh, it's okay, he has every right to go and uh, stand outside, he's in his mask, and he stood next to Lombard, who's the Stade Francais director or coach or whatever he is, and he, he's making excuses saying it's all right. The facts are, they all signed up to an agreement of how to live by these COVID protocols and the bubble. And yes, in the weeks in between, there are some changes. So the, all the England boys are at home now this week. But around the testing protocols, they test and then retest and then come back into the bubble. So it is, I mean, only the French having waffles in Rome when you're not supposed to be out at the hotel. I bet they were nice. Though. How good though? I mean, love I, a waffle. I bet a, they were a, a <laughs> swirly yeah. cream on top. You oh, know the, the, oh, 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 In Rome as well. How oh, oh. good. <laughs> but if you've signed up and you've got the privilege of playing international rugby, you know, you're getting well remunerated for it as well. Just abide by the rules, boys. And especially the gaffer. He's just off to watch his son. It's oh, it's crazy. And, and for me, the big thing is, like Jim says, how do you fit it back in to a season? And I said, I'm sure I did a column for this on Rugby Pass before the Six Nations started around what are the outcomes of games being cancelled? Because... We knew that last Six Nations, everything just got cancelled because of where we're at and they found a window. We're now in a season, a, a season that's condensed already by all the club games. And then you bring into... Imagine, this is so French, right? Imagine over the weekend of Friday, 26th, 27th or 28th of March, they're talking about this game, right? To not release Finn Russell, who plays and earns his money in France to play for Scotland against France. He has to play on club duty, but insists the game goes ahead. Without a shadow of a doubt, because there's only one group of people to blame in this instance and Scotland are going to be massively handicapped if the game goes ahead on that weekend like Jim said with all the boys playing around the world um you know in different leagues and so they don't have jurisdiction to you know for the clubs to release them it's a shit show it's an absolute shit show France should lose the game uh and Scotland should win it 28-0 and then Scotland might win the title who knows jim eh
1: well let's get on to the rugby and what happened on the field in cardiff goody
0: Oh, you can in Cardiff. All I know is the Dragons lost to Zebra and the Guinness Pro 14, so it ain't all that great for Wales, is it? I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it, <laughs> um, mate. I mean, you can look at lots of things. Obviously, the big ones are the two refereeing decisions uh, that that allowed tries, and we might as well start there. So the first one, the crossfield kick, and I kind of feel a bit for Pascal there because he's got absolutely rinsed on this.
2: This isn't like you.
0: What? Well, this isn't like you. Well, it is the thing though. So we he tells owen farrell he says have a word with your players what he doesn't say is owen get everyone in have a huddle get the drinks boys in and literally stop the game it was you've seen how many times have we seen it in, in in any game where you say have a word with your players and he calls time off and it's literally a 10 second lads any more of this we've got to sort our discipline out next one goes to the bin that's all that needs saying and so he goes time off. And the other argument and the other thing that I'll say, and I, I tried to show a video on social media of it, Johnny made old chicken. He's been in the huddle and he's got back to his wing on the other side before Pascal Gauzere says time on. Now, I'm not saying Pascal Gauzere is inexcusable for this. You know, it's a bit of blurred lines around what should and shouldn't have happened. The fact is, I can't remember what coach said it. Was it Pat Lamb that says you either win or you learn? And so England are going to learn. And, and you look at England's performance across the whole, the try in the second half from the quick tap penalty, three or four of the boys just sleeping. You know, walk Elliot Daly with his back turned, a few of the players not even reacting. So what England will do is react to everything now and you'll see a massive change in that. But they were half asleep, weren't they?
2: I, I just think you broke the code of like decency there. Um, and I'll go with Jono, appalling refereeing. I, regardless of you know Owen going back to the team or whatever, it's almost just like you just think shit, lad. <laughs> like Why? Have you, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it didn't really affect me. But I get that
0: side of the argument as well. But Johnny, May Johnny May's got back to his wing.
2: Yeah, but he probably weren't in the huddle. We couldn't be asked. But the he other was. Argument, he was
0: right in there and he got back out.
2: Yeah, but that's what he does. Then he's in and out. It's like a chicken going back into his uh, cage. What do they go back at a pen? Um, the other argument is, is the water bottles are on. And being a bit of a it, mate, it's dangerous. If someone lands on a water bottle, like, who knows where that thing could end up? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, so Jenkins is on. Neil Jenkins is on there.
0: I wonder if he had the tea in his pocket ooh, as well. Ooh, but just he didn't, might have done. He would have done. But, but imagine, just didn't show it. Because as soon as the tea is on the field, you have to go for goal.
2: Imagine if the ball bounced off the post or, you know, it didn't go out and Billy's got the ball. and He'd kill Neil Jenkins by running over him. It's dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe there's an
0: argument for the relationship with Owen Farrell and the referees. I think Owen Farrell, his learning from it is perhaps getting clarity from Pascal Gauzet because Pascal Gauzet just said, speak to your players. You see a lot of captains then question the referee and say, well, can you hold off, time off while I speak to my players? It was just all right and he walks off, gets them in a huddle.
2: The big thing about it for me is I was thinking this, if Wales win this game, it's taking the shine off Wales winning this game. Two red cards in the first two games for them and then these decisions and I know there was a tweet that came up on social media is Jim going to apologize are you I'm sorry well said James from from the bottom of my heart there's a couple of things I'm pumped for rugby that Wales aren't on the demise and aren't on for a wooden spoon and I'm embarrassed by some of my comments before I'm happy to say it (laughs) I'm happy to say it a load of them saying that I think Wales are down and out. Alan Wynne-Jones um, isn't the player that he was. I, th- I thought he was brilliant. I don't think he was as good as Marrow, even though Marrow gave away 10 penalties or whatever it was, <laughs> five penalties at the weekend. But And that's what it is, isn't it? We've got an opinion. Not our opinion's not always right. Most of the time it is, but um, <laughs> a lot of the time it's not. And I think from a Welsh perspective, and watching Wayne Pivak's body language from the first week in the Sixth Nation, and you could visibly see just in his eyes, because that's all we could see, the pressure to the emotion of um, game three against England at the weekend. You can't not be happy for him. And yeah. for whatever reason, I've spoke about it before, and I, for one, have written Wales off. I don't know why. I've only I've only I've ever beaten them once, right? And when it matters, when it really, really matters, they turn up. A Lions year, Gatlin's in the crowd wearing his mask, absolutely loving it playing against england everyone's thinking england are going to beat them you know alan win jones captain i've questioned him is he good enough george north we spoke about him two years ago i'm like oh yeah i don't think he's that good he was phenomenal at the weekend yeah. and then you add into the mix now they've got lewis rey Summit you know josh adams after covid gate comes in and plays the way that he's playing um Fair, fair play to them. And, and another point that you know we can talk about as well is, is the back row. Justin Tipperick doesn't give away a penalty. No, he, he never gives away penalties, and the way that he plays. So I'll go back to my point. From a Welsh perspective, I am sorry. I will never ever doubt you again until you drop Alan wynne Jones, and then you, you're never going to win again because that guy <laughs> is the informed
1: second row in the in the Six Nations. We'll come back to the England. Uh, penalties in a minute, but just while we're on Wales and how good they're going, do you think they'll beat France in Paris to in round five to win the Grand Slam? I
0: oh, have got to get past Italy first, mate, in Rome next weekend. And who knows uh, what didn't you say?
1: Is... Didn't you say that that was a wooden spoon decider against Italy? That was the last
2: game between Scotland and Italy, mate. Can you believe that it was me who said that? I said somewhere, it might have been on air, it might have been in the public domain, that that Wales-Italy game could be for the wooden spoon. I mean, there needs to be a forfeit for that. I've shaved my head. I don't know what else to say, but...
1: Like Owen John said,
2: I'm sorry. Shave your Bush.
1: I have. Callum has asked us on Instagram, sent in a message, what do you think of the way Owen Farrell spoke to the referee in the aftermath of that first try? That's the problem, I think,
2: unfortunately, for Owen. And this is goes back to my first point on the relationship that you have with referees. You can hear Owen on the ref mic shouting at the referee, you know, shouting at the players because he's so competitive, right? And he's desperate to win. You see Johnny Sexton, the same. They're probably very similar. Well, they are very similar in terms of how they interact with the referee, the emotion that they show they can't hide it. You know, Owen's got a lot to work on to be England captain. It's not a case of just being England captain and that's that. And you're the best player or, you know, you're scoring the points or you're driving the team around. For me... And again, it's easy to sit and judge when you're sat at home. Like, he's done more in the game than most people. So it's easy to sit at home and judge and say, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. I want to see Owen succeed as England captain. You know, I was watching his dad's clips when he was playing rugby league. There was this thing going around, around fights. And you look at him playing for Ireland. They're rugby to their absolute core. I don't know if there's another family in the Northern Hemisphere that is rugby to the core like them in terms of the decoration that they've had um, across both codes. But Owen's got a lot to work on in terms of how he deals with the referee, that interaction, empathy Arguably, in it, yeah, empathy. You know, and the media stuff as well. Yeah. Being the being the front man for the team, and this goes—I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it goes to you know the Lions captain. He's not always the very best player. It's someone that embodies everything, and again, it could be COVID, it could be the lockdown situation, it could be the professionals of rugby. There seems to be a disconnection between this England team and fans. And, you know, Owen's fronting that. And I want to see him come through that and be able to prove people wrong. But clearly, the way that he's speaking to the referees isn't being well-liked.
0: It's tough, isn't it? Because naturally, that's how he is, uh, ultimate competitor. So, um, you know, and... He's been able to develop this persona and he's been allowed, you know, referees have allowed that to happen and grow. And the way he's spoken to referees before has never been questioned. So you think that then becomes normal. Um, And, you know, Jim, you've experienced it personally yourself, the way he is with players, because he's demanding the best out of everyone. It sometimes spills over into you think it's too harsh how he's how he's handling people and how he's saying things. So yeah, it's something he's got to work on. Is you know he needs empathy with referees. You, yeah, you know, I remember Jono and you talk about him as a leader. There were times when Jono would go on his haunches to bring his height down to what the referee is. So he'd
2: I have I copied ha- him. I copied him at Connach away for Gloucester when I
0: was captain. I went down on my knees because that's what Jono said. Well, that's just because you couldn't breathe. Very true. Yeah. Um, but th- there's ways of handling referees and it's, you know, some referees, you know, you're going to be able to talk to in in certain ways. Some referees will get rattled. You saw Pascal Gauze didn't want to talk to him and it was a bit of panic. It was a bit of, no, I've said my decision. No, it is it. But it's the way that Owen approached him and was so incandescent with his facial expressions as well as how he was saying what he wanted to say to to Pascal Gauze that he's always going to get a, his back up. But... People talk about Maro Otoji as a potential Lions captain. Who said that? I think you said it, didn't you, Jim? <laughs> but then, you you know, you're looking at Maro Otoji, wonderful rugby player that lives on the edge, but clearly he's living on the wrong side of the edge at the minute. He's discipline, and that's only going to come more and more into focus of how he plays the game. Now he's given five penalties away in a game. He does it regularly, but he's got away with it, so he, he's allowed to develop that and now it's all a big thing because he's been penalised five times. Well, because of his impacts around the pitch, and he is working exceptionally hard, and he's such a at every breakdown, every maul, every ruck, every line-out drive, everything is test-match level in terms of competitiveness. But it that does spill over, and he's just got to rewind back 5% sometimes and, and you know wind his discipline in a little bit. So, you know, there's so many questions. You look at the game as a whole, right? And let's just... No one's talked about... The pass from Jamie George to Anthony Watson, which I thought was about three yards forward as a try. You know, things tend to balance themselves out. You go back to Italy last weekend, Johnny May, the close call between did he jump the tackle or did he dive over to score the try? But that didn't really matter that much because it was only against Italy and people thought that England were going to win. Owen Farrell's hit oh, in the back of the, uh, the Italian scrum off, which you know, everyone's saying that should have been a penalty so the try should have been... Didn't matter though because it's Italy. It matters this week because it's such a big contest between England and Wales and it's right in the spotlight. Go back a year and this is something that no one's really said coming out of Wales. Go back a year to the England-Wales game at Twickenham last year. What happened in that game? I can't remember, tell me. I genuinely can't remember. Joe Marler, what happened in that game?
2: (laughs) he grabbed the willies and so, or maybe the nuts or both I don't, yeah. Yeah. cock and balls so, cock and balls
0: yeah so he's he's done what he's done to Alan jones which people went oh it's just banter it's fine it's, you know he's blah 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 he got a, a massive ban off the back of it so what the judicial committee was saying is he should have been sent off now he gets sent off in that game it changes the picture and England win that game last year and I think Manu got sent off at the end as well but England it ended up being quite tight towards the end but that chain that was in the first half when Joe Marlon did that. England got away with it. England have got away with things and it swings and roundabouts. So this time, the shoes on the other foot, and both of the decisions went against an England team, where Wales got gifted two tries by Pascal Gauzere. The French hate the English. That can't be part of it, but maybe it is. And, you know, that's sport, isn't it, sometimes? And we can debate them. And people, you know, throw whatever they want around about, you know, it's bitter this or you you're twisting it there. England have been unlucky. Let's not beat around Jim's bush. England have been unlucky with those two calls. Could they have fixed some problems? I mean, the knock-on or not knock-on of Lewis rees is something that England couldn't have done anything about. You know, it was a drop the ball. It's gone back. It's bounced freakily off Henry Slade's knee. Liam Williams has won the race to pick it up and score. You'd hope that that's seen as a knock-on. Pascal Gauzet didn't think it was. Nigel Owen said it, it was a knock-on. Pascal Gauzet has now said he's made a mistake. But that's the that's life, right? So referees are making mistakes. They've made mistakes previously that have gone in England's favour, and I named a few. Then, uh, you know, unfortunately, England's discipline down in the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, you know, they got back to twenty four all. We were playing some decent rugby. Yeah, you know, we put wits on the ball. We looked dangerous, but then our discipline was just pretty abysmal. You know, a bit of that is around. You know, is it around competitiveness in the squad? Is it around you know, people trying too hard because they've got to try and you know, when they get the opportunity? There were some dumb penalties, weren't there? Twenty at twenty-four all, you think they can go on and win it? But Wales finished exceptionally strongly and, and deserved the win.
1: Daniel Marshall asked us on Twitter why England can't adapt referees when it's clear how they will riff them.
0: Well, I don't think anything's clear with the French ref, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you've got to adapt uh, you have to, you know, a couple of penalties just take your foot off, Jono talked about it at half time and post match as well, around there's living on the edge and then you give two or three penalties away, the ref's you know, he's got his back up a bit against you so you just have to come back half a yard from offside the offside line, you know you, you don't compete as hard at a line out Jim, the one where Mauro gets done for jumping across and then he's part of them all, just you know, there's those little things that when you're on the edge and you're competing and there's no penalties given away, it's okay to give one of those away. But when you've given four or five on the trot, you just can't risk it, can you?
2: No. That that was the thing with Maro. going back to him. I, I genuinely think, and again, it doesn't matter what I think because I say some ridiculous stuff, I think English should make Maro Toji captain because I think that will take the edge off what he does. And I think that, yeah. that added leadership and the pressure of being captain will then make him a better player because I think there needs to be a shift somewhere whether or not Eddie Jones thinks or believes and you don't give a shit what I say but in my opinion IMO there needs to be a shift in the culture of the England team about the way that they're going about their business both from a media point of view and on the pitch and obviously Marrow's liabilities around the penalties imagine if he didn't give away them penalties you know and there ones and, and there was a couple of them that weren't pens I don't think that one at them all was a pen The one where he ripped ripped the ball out as well. That's a penalty all day long, mate. Yeah, it's a penalty. It is a penalty. But But it's it's borderline. Yeah, but you can see why he's done that one. It's the... Yeah, I I don't know. It's the one that's slapping the ball out of the hand and stuff like that. But that's always a penalty. He's got away with it That's always a penalty. Yeah, that's always a penalty, that one. They're the ones that are glaringly obvious. They're Jim Hamilton penalties, they are. (laughs) I mean, they stand out and you get a bit of airtime. you know what I mean on the big screen. But I don't know. That... You know, for me, that that's a, a career changing moment for Maro, in my opinion. You've got Warren Gatlin up in the stands. You're against a veteran in Alan Wynne Jones. There's talk everywhere about Maro Toji being captain of the British and Irish Lions. You know, Sia Khaleesi being captain of South Africa. Amazon making a documentary. Imagine the profile that's going to be surrounding that. Okay, Maro knows that. His agency at Rock Nation know that. We know he's a world class player, but. You know, that could have been a damaging game for him because Warren Gatlin's there. He's a decision-maker. You've got your, your son playing, Alan Wynne-Jones, playing the way that he did and leading his team to victory against England the way that they did. And you've got Maratoji all over the place on media building a brand alongside that doing what he did. So I think it'll be a, defi- a career-defining moment for Marrow, and I genuinely think he'll come out of it better.
0: It's it's massive, though, isn't it? When you talk about the british Irish Lions, and hopefully we hear at some point what is exactly going to happen. But you look at the four captains of the nations, so and they've all got their kind of downsides as to how and why they perhaps shouldn't be captain. You know, obviously, Farrell's one is his demeanour with referees at the minute and how he acts. Alan Jones's jones one is, actually, is he going to be good enough in the summer to be... A test player and people have talked about that on his performance at the weekend you'd probably say yes Ireland their captain's Johnny Sexton as we've talked about injury prone and, and Scotland Stuart Hogg's fullback his only downside is he's a fullback you know he's so far away from you know the front line that you need some people think you need your, your captain right in the mix don't you so only Warren Gatlin knows what he's going to do you know I wouldn't say you're ruling Mara out of being captain of the British Lions because he gave a few pens away at the weekend but you certainly need someone to have a, a word in his in his ear and say, listen, does the edge. Just sometimes you've got to pull back from the edge a bit because he's that good at what he does. He doesn't always need to be right on the edge, does he? I,
2: I just don't think he's been told. He can't have been told. You know, I look back on my career and I, and I think...
0: Less pens. <laughs> if,
2: I, if I did that, I would have been yanked off at time for any team, right? Yeah. If I'd given away four penalties, regardless if i charged down a couple and, you know, I was turning balls over for fun. I genuinely think most players would get yanked off at half-time, for penalties, but he's obviously allowed to do what, what he's allowed to do because he's that dominant in every other facet of the game. So it's up to the coaches, isn't it? And I'm sure he'll read the media, you know, he'll listen to this and he'll understand that It is a crossroads for him. So he gets away with loads of stuff like this. You know, in the games, he's slapping the ball down in malls and stuff like that. Gets away with it. He's whooping and hollering. He's charging down. You know, he's turning over. Uh, He's, you know, monstering people in collisions. He's, you know, diving on balls. He's just everything. And it's just everything is so glaringly obvious that almost like now there's no fans or whatever and you know, referees are on to him and talking about him that it's got to a stage where he needs to change.
1: We talked about some of the Saracens players needing game time throughout the competition. Do you think we've seen improvements from any of those players with the more game time? Or do you think that England needed to change some personnel heading into rounds four and five?
0: Well, I think you look the, the two main ones that everyone's been talking about is Billy's form and Owen Farrell's form. And compare pre-match, right? Billy honestly and openly came out and said he was playing way under the expectations of what he thinks of himself and how he should be playing. And I actually loved it. Loved his honesty in the press. Compare it to Owen Farrell's interview pre-match. And he was like, well, you know, it's not that much difference between being on it and being off it. And there wasn't really him putting his hand up in the air and saying he's not playing well enough. But Billy, you know, it was one of Billy's better performances, wasn't it? He was carrying, he was in the backfield a lot, running balls back, which we haven't seen as much. So he definitely played better. I think the big question for England now is we ain't winning the Six Nations, are we? So does Eddie Jones just keep picking the same boys? You know, there's there's no reason why, for me, you can't now look at this Six Nations and give other people opportunities. We know what Billy can do. We know what a lot of the boys can do. But getting a couple of wins to end the Six Nations when, in reality, this England team aren't going to play again together till next November you know, it's neither here nor there, is it really? Um, so why not blood some the youngsters, give a dog wheel a go, get Lawrence back in. You know, can he bring in players from outside of the the shadow squad? Uh, well, he did with Carl Sinclair when his band finished because he wasn't named in the main squad or the, the shadow squad. All the England boys are back at their clubs this week, as in back home with their, with their families. So you could potentially look at, um, you know, if you're going to bring people in, you could you could say to five or six of the, the the guys that are at their clubs, get with the protocols, the testing protocols that sit within the the Six Nations remit to bring them in. The likes of Marcus Smith, the likes of Sam Simmons, Joe Simmons, Alex Dombrant, the players that are ripping it up. If there, there's never a better time to give them a go. Now, France. Let's not forget, in November in the Autumn Nations Cup, France came with their complete shags third or fourth team to Twickenham because of the issues that they had around player release in the French league with their, the LNR, their league, and they nearly beat England at Twickenham, but they've got depth from that and belief in those players now because they've come out had a go. I think it's time to see some of the faces in the six nations game, but whether he can do that, whether he wants to do that, whether he will do that because he's, you know, he wants to just keep beating the drum of his, his close lieutenants. And he's got a very settled squad. Uh, The thing is, I think you need to blood some people before the next World Cup because it's not just going to take this starting 15 that he keeps banging out week in, week out at the minute.
1: Well, we can have a chat now with a man who would have loved to have been in Cardiff this weekend but was instead starring for Bath in their win against Saints. Bath and England back row Zach Mercer joins us. How are you, mate? Good, mate thanks for having me
0: no it's great to have you on first question the one that everyone wants to know uh we know you've signed for montpellier what does it begin with a five or six or a seven that's all i need to know <laughs> do you want it in french or english <laughs> mate i can i'm bilingual mate i can't say it either mate <laughs> sank cease or set <laughs> oh it's wheat it's wheat it's eight. Oh, amazing amazing <laughs>
2: We can come on to the Montpellier stuff. Zach, I obviously played a season down there. What a place to live. Um, and well, we can talk a little bit about the club as well. But how are things with you? Man of the match at the weekend. I actually did catch a bit of the game. I, I caught the game before actually where I, th- I thought we played really well as well. Uh, how are things going um, at Bath? I know you're obviously leaving at the end of the season. We've had a f- few chats with Freddie Burns about the kind of landscape there. Saw Stuart Hooper's arousing speech, shirt presentation. But since then... It seems to have galvanised the boys and uh, three wins in a row and yourself playing really well.
3: Yeah, to be honest, we had, had a pretty st- tough start to the season um, after a very promising end last year. But yeah, we're on three from three at the moment. We beat Sale away, Gloucester at home and Northampton away. So they're not easy games, um, especially with players missing in our squad. We've done really well and players playing out of position like Josh Bale starting in the second row and Tommy Ellis starting in the second row just because of injuries and uh, as a group, we've really by tight with each other, and we've actually put some real good performances. And for me personally, I've always said it like I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Bath. So I, I can't just sign a contract at Montpellier and go, "That's it, I'm done now." Do you know, I'm, I'm, I can just sit back and rest on my, my laurels. Really, Um I had an open conversation with Hoops, and I said, "I'm here to give it my all, mate, and I don't want to sit." And being, it, being the non-23 sessions or whatever you call it on a Saturday when I could be playing rugby.
0: Let's talk about the process then, because obviously, you know, for you, everyone looks at it. A youngster playing exceptionally well for, for Bath in the England sort of fold previously. You know, we've all seen a- around players that we think could or should be involved in Eddie Jones' squad. It was a massive decision for you, wasn't it? To, to leave Bath and where you've been so successful with the hopes of still of playing international rugby to go and sign for Montpellier, which kind of closes that door for the time being with England by playing for Montpellier. What was the process for you along the ways of speaking to people, your dad and big influences on your career around making that decision? Yeah, I
3: mean, like you said, it was a bloody tough decision. Um, it wasn't a decision that was just made like that. It, it was a long, winded decision as well. It, it was on the cards for a while and and a lot of conversations with my agents, with my dad, with my girlfriend. and Just trying to work out what was best for me. Because ultimately, like Jim and Goody, you know that rugby is a short career. I want to get the most out of it. And I could sit and play in the Premiership and probably be comfortable playing for Bath week in, week out. Um, but people that know me know that I like a challenge and like to test myself. And I, I wanted to get myself out of the comfort zone. Uh, and Montpellier came calling. And like you said, Jim, like Montpellier is not just a... And a standard club is—it's it's a pretty prestigious club, and to be offered that at 23 years of age for me, it was a, a no no-brainer really. So I'm really excited for the challenge uh, out there next season. But like you said, duty about England and stuff, like I could sit and just wait for Eddie's phone call, but how long could that be? I don't know. So for me, it was—I'm not going to wait. I want to go out there for t- two years or how, however long it will be and uh, develop myself
2: on the rugby pitch and off it. Yeah, you definitely will. And at the age of 23, you've got ages left, hopefully. So, you know, looking back at your career, 2018, I think, was the last time you got capped. You know, arguably, you're playing better now than back then when you got capped. And you look at this England squad and you look around the narrative around that about players that... 100% 100% should be in and around that squad that aren't it almost seems to be a closed off group and you know then he brings in young lads and and that's that we saw George Martin who obviously got called into the squad off the back of um, Jack Willis's injuries and is there any chat or not is is there any lines of communication obviously a young lad 23 years old Billy's not going to go on forever but also the way that you're playing you know, you're going off to Montpellier, was there any chats from the England coaches about no, don't do it, you're this far away, we want you back in the squad, any lines of communication? No, mate, to be honest,
3: I haven't spoke probably properly to Eddie since 2018, since my last game against Japan, but that seemed to take quite a few names, I think, from the international scene, and um, that's the last time I spoke to Eddie, so the communication has, has died out on that front, and obviously I got hit with injuries in the 2019 season, and Obviously, I am back to playing probably some of my best rugby. But um, obviously, knowing that I signed for Montpellier for two years, then obviously that 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 kind of answered itself. But I do feel for the the players who who are staying in England trying to, wait to play for that squad. Obviously, we all know who, who the players are playing well. But for me, it was a, a no-brainer that I had to had to get out and challenge myself for two years and hopefully come back a better player.
0: And is that a plan long-term to want to come back to the Premiership and get back in the England fold? Or is it, listen, these are two years that I'm going to go out there, as you said, improve as a player, as a person, both on and off the field, and dive into French the French way of life in Montpellier, a beautiful city, a beautiful city, but a massive rugby club as well?
3: I can't say how long I'm going to be in France for. It's tough. I've signed a contract out there, but it could be a Stephen Armitage thing where you go out there and absolutely love it and uh, me and my girlfriend don't want to come back. That might be a situation. But for me, ultimately, I'm still young. I still want to get more than two caps for England. That is still my ambition. It's still my ambition to run out at Twickenham more than twice and uh, get some caps under my belt. That's definitely still an ambition of mine. And uh, I strongly believe that going out for France for however long, that when I decide to come back, I I will be a better player and hopefully in a better situation to try and get into that squad.
0: And one thing for our listeners that perhaps they might not have seen, Montpellier is known to be a big club. It's an amazing ground as well there. And they've always had this thing around big money players going there. But this year has been quite a struggle for them, hasn't it? There's been, uh, they're, uh, I think they're 12th in the, in the top 14 at the minute. They've um, chopped and changed their coach. So Philippe saint andre is now director of rugby. Garbajosa's gone. But the big news, Frank Azema's going in from Clermont next season. Were you, when you were talking to the club, were they open with you around some of the conversations that were going on behind closed doors? Did you know about Frank leaving Clermont to go to Montpellier or is it just the French way of, here's a load of Euros, we want you?
3: Um, no, to be honest, so I'll tell you a story, the first time I met Philippe uh, was probably when I was about 19, 18, 19, and he was doing uh, the commentary when we played Wasps up at the Rico, and he actually gave me Man of the Match that day, and I had to go, I had to go do an interview with him after the game, and I didn't have a clue who he was, uh, I was like, oh, nice to meet you, I'm Zach, and he's like, oh, I'm Philippe Saint-Andre." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I didn't hear from him, obviously, again, until two, three years later, when he's, when he's trying to sign me, but the thing for me that really impressed me with Montpellier and Philippe was that he was on the phone to me straight away saying how much he wants me to play for this club, how much he thinks I can offer to the club, and for me that's, that's a massive thing, just having the, the backing from the director of rugby pretty much telling you that you can make a big difference to this team, and like you said, uh, they're obviously not flying high there, but if you look at the team on paper, they're the world class, and like you said, I don't know whether it's confirmed, but the recruitment they're bringing in is obviously very exciting for me as well.
0: Can you let us know on anyone there that you can or can't confirm?
3: To be honest, Goody, I've got no idea. Like you said, for me, it's just I haven't heard a single thing about what's happening over there. I speak to Alex's housekeeper now and again, just really on the ice, to be honest, trying to work out where a place is to live and all that. But... I've got no inside knowledge at that club at the moment. Yeah,
0: but Alex enjoying it, isn't he? The lifestyle as well as, you know, rugby's tough for him at the minute. Um, obviously coming from Saracens, going over there on loan, but yeah, I know he's just spent a few days uh, in Andorra as well. So life's not bad, eh? I did message
3: him there saying, I see you've had a nice little week off, mate, uh, in, in the ski slopes. I think Reinach as well and pollard they were all up in the ski slopes for a week, whereas we were playing at Franklin Gardens <laughs> <yesterday>. <laughs> Um, It's exciting times, definitely. I'm looking forward to to getting out there.
0: Yeah, Philippe's a big friend of the show as well. He's coming on next week, actually. So we're looking forward to hearing what he's got to say about France. Um, How is Bath at the minute? There was chat a few weeks ago that Stuart Hooper was under intense pressure. Um, You know, these three wins on the spin have have, have been unbelievable. But is it a bit down to the fact that this block of games is so horrific for clubs? You know, we've got, is it nine or ten premiership games back-to-back that you have no choice but to to, to bar up week in, week out. Tough on the players at the minute, isn't it?
3: Mate, it is absolutely yeah very tough. Uh, I think I was working out the other day, I, was, I played, what, 10, 80 minutes in a row, um, just because we haven't got anyone else to, to come in really, especially England, obviously keeping all their players in camp. But yeah, like you said, Hoops, obviously we weren't performing for him as a team and we kind of got together now and said, you know what, are we going to sort this out? And we have done the last three weeks because I said in the post-match interview yesterday that I honestly believe that when we play rugby, we are the best attacking team in the Premiership. I believe that. If you look at our, our forwards, our backs, on paper, we, we've got the best attacking threats there. Uh, and when we have a bit of confidence, when we play, we're unbeatable. Uh, that's in my opinion. Obviously, I'm going to be biased towards that. But obviously, we've put, like you said, three good performances in the last three weeks. Not not pretty. not really not pretty. The lines doesn't flatter us. But like I said... The wins against Sale away, Northampton away, and a derby day at the wreck against Gloucester, who, who, are, who are a very niggly outfit. So for us, it's we're pretty happy where we're at at the moment.
2: Zach, so you you talk about that style of play that Bath want to play. There's a big argument, isn't there, for summer rugby. I'm a keen advocate to see rugby played on uh, dry pitches. You had a big blister at the end of that game. um, And my dad, who was in the Special Forces for a few years, said the only thing that would take a man out of a jungle was a blister. Very, very painful to do with the hard grounds. But, I mean, you personally love playing on that kind of track, don't you?
3: Yeah, so for me, that... Obviously, the weather was perfect and going up to Franklin Gardens, who everyone that's been there, that pitch is...
0: Ridiculous, isn't it? There's,
3: there's no argument. That's the best in the Premiership. Um, so, for me, going on that, I actually went on the pitch to warm up and I came back off, went to the kit man and said, have you got any small studs, Small studs? But anyway, carried on the game and with about 10 minutes to go, or well, 20 minutes to go, I thought my stud was broken because um, it was like something was wiggling in the bottom of my boots. So, I had to sit down, took it off and I was like, it's not broken. And then I took my sock off and then there it was. Uh, probably the biggest blister I've ever seen. Um, oh,
2: so sore.
3: So I, like you saw on BT, I actually, um, I was quite proud of it to be honest. I've shown it around the changing after the game, the piece of skin about that <laughs> bit. Um, but I've literally got both my feet, I've got two blisters, oh. massive ones, both taped up. Um, hopefully trying to get them ready to, to go again to training tomorrow, but Um, yeah it wasn't pretty but like you said I I wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way that that's definitely my style of pitch.
2: Gilbert boots mate that's the way forward I wore Gilbert (laughs) I was sponsored by Gilbert for about 750 pound a year and I don't think I got a blister I didn't get out of first gear but I don't think I had one blister yeah I didn't go up
0: to size 15 so I had to wear size 13 so there was no room for movement. (laughs) (laughs) Last question from me then about yesterday's game Um, you're winning by a point and Northampton have that penalty, uh, five meters in from touch, five meters out, and all you see is Tom Dunn, who you know is playing out of his skin. He's not particularly good looking, uh, but he was so pumped for it. Did you boys talk Northampton psychologically into going for the scrum there? Because it's a great thing to see. He's calling for it, scrum, scrum, kick the three points, boys. You probably get the win.
3: Yeah, it's tough, mate. Because if you watch the rest of the game, we struggle scrum time massively. We struggle we struggled scrum time. Yeah. But I knew, well, Dunny knew, obviously, being, being in the hooker in that position, that he wanted the scrum. Obviously, he had Jamie Batty, Henry Thomas either side of him, and they believed that they could do a job. And um, I think you're probably right. I think by Dunny literally screaming there with his ninging ears, bleeding, <laughs> his, his black head tape on, like headbutting and telling him, let's go for a scrum here. Uh, and then we went for it, and you saw the reaction from the boys, even me. Like, that was a game changer. That won us the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, we found a way to actually be able to scrum, uh, and like you said, uh, Donny has has been playing out his skin week in week out, and I hope to see him get some more caps for England because he just certainly deserves it the way he's playing at the moment.
2: I think he's quality. He held me up over the trial line. I had a 10-meter run-up, Zach. I don't know if you remember it. Saracens versus Bath. I think he got a three-year deal off the
0: back of it. What was it? Monday night football, Jim, because you were no, playing? I,
2: no, I think Mara and George were uh, injured or it was the semi-final the week after. But he got. Three, <laughs> I heard that he got a three-year contract off the back of that, but it was <laughs> class to see him get capped. He's
3: he's one of those guys, that you speak to him, he's, he's probably had the hardest run-up to actually play in professional rugby, being in A-League squad, university, playing loosehead and being a bag holder, getting beaten up, getting scraps in training—he's just one of those guys, and it's finally nice to see him get a reward for it.
2: Yeah, Zach. At the age of twenty-three, I don't think you look at it now. You look back on your career with regrets, like because uh, it's been brilliant so far. Let's be honest, and, you, and you're about to set off onto the into the sunset for a couple of years. But you've seen Cam obviously being capped by Scotland, and if he can stay fit. He's going to be a 50-plus cap player. With the way things stand at the minute, and this is a pretty shit question, it's a hard question for you to answer, you'd probably know what's coming. <laughs> if, if you if you played for Scotland, right, and you had the opportunity to do that, I'm not joking, I reckon you'd be a 100-cap player. Just the way that you play, and probably not just because the lack of depth that we've got arguably at number eight, is there a part of you that regrets not playing for Scotland a little bit on a professional basis? It's tough,
3: mate, because... I remember speaking to Cam before the Scotland squad was announced, and he actually came up and asked for my advice. Would I have done anything differently? And for me, Joe, it's tough because I have no Scottish blood in me. I lived there because my dad's job, and I qualified for Scotland on residency. And um, so for me, I got no part Scottish in me. I would have just played on residency grounds. And uh, for me, I, I, I'm not arguing saying that's not right. But for me, it was either New Zealand or England. That, that growing up, that was the only two teams I wanted to play for. Um, so I don't regret playing for England, certainly not. I mean, playing in front of 80,000 people at Twickenham was such a special day for me, so I don't regret picking England at all. But I'm very glad that Cam's made a decision, and like you said, when he stays fit, he'll be in there for the foreseeable future. And I'm also very excited to see Josh Bayliss, that's decided that he wants to go down the the Scottish route because he's someone that's been playing out of his skin recently as well, and uh, I'm sure I'll see him get capped very soon to even in the Six Nations.
2: So is that before you go? And I mentioned going off into the sunset. I'll tell you what, I love a sun in Montpellier, a brilliant place to live. I don't know if there's any advice I can give you. I went there with two, almost four children at the time. So my experience there could be very different to what your experiences is, is is going to go but uh, do you want any advice of places to go yeah, I've been
3: messing a few people so give me some
2: advice so there's a restaurant called Sonsis which I only realized uh, is what what's Sonsis? cease what's the, what number's that goodie in French
0: <laughs> that's not a number Jim oh, I thought
2: it was a number I thought it, what's 26 in French? vansies <laughs> oh is it we might have been called vansies then <laughs> <laughs> actually
0: knows? son son Cies is 106
2: oh is it that's what it was it was 106 yeah so look at us trying an absolute circus there's a good restaurant there but the beaches are amazing um as Charlie Watchu, uh, the big uh, Cameroonian second rows at Perpignan, he used to head down to Barcelona for a massage. I go for massage for Barcelona. So it's a long way to go to Spain for a massage, <laughs> but apparently a great night out and a lovely coffee as well. So we can maybe chat offline, Zach.
3: Because obviously the COVID situation, me and my girlfriend haven't been able to go out there, so it's pretty much hit and a miss at the moment. So I'll definitely drop you Yeah, out.
2: I'll send you some voice notes, mate. Genuinely, I know a little bit of the layer land, place where lads live and stuff like that. And if you're into your golf or the beach... Well, I've just
3: I've just bought some new golf clubs, so this is going to be interesting. I, I'm garbage, but well, I thought if I go to the south of France, I need to learn how to play some golf.
0: I'm, I'm working out from this conversation, Jim, that you loved the lifestyle there, but the rugby wasn't for you. And I wonder why you came back so quickly. But hey, mate, I hope your career down at Montpellier goes way better than Jim's did. Cause <laughs> he quickly came back to Saracens and took a few hours <laughs> of, of cash to come home.
2: So do I, I hope so.
3: Uh, no, you'll be <laughs> yeah.
0: fine, to, you'll, you'll smash it, mate.
2: Cheers, guys. Thank you
1: very much. Uh, thanks for coming on, Zach. Best of luck for the rest of the season with Bath and with uh, Montpellier as well.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Zach. Good luck, Good mate. Luck. Cheers, buddy.
0: Top lad. Top lad, isn't he? Yeah. Tells it as he sees it. Um, you know, proper Northern, isn't it? Nor-
2: northerner, mate.
0: <laughs> Salt of the earth. Hard if, as only, you like. if
2: only the Northerner, who is captain of England, would give us that kind of insight. It's <laughs> <And to> all <laughs> yeah. we want. That's all we want—the leading light. But no, I tweeted about it a couple of weeks ago or last week. One of the most naturally gifted, and it's easy to throw them words about rugby players in the Premiership currently. Just yeah. makes the game look so easy. Breaks tackles. He's one of them. You're like, how? How does he do it? And uh, I tell you what, Montpellier's gain is Bath's pain. Lost, 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 lost. I yeah. just tried to try to make it rhyme. But um, you know, you wonder what Falata will do. He's back. Into the kind of form which made him, you know, one of the best dates in the world, and I think that Zach complements that. You know, whether or not Falaut, I don't know. Let's just say he's off to France as well. Just <laughs> throw it out there. Um, too long, you know, it, too long, is it? Yeah, it just say too long or Toulouse um, <laughs> with Kano retiring. Um, yeah, and, and retiring. Yeah, and Paris retiring. Yeah, very, very true. Look at us, mate. We're just we're, we're fitting in players left, right, and centre. But twenty three. There's an element yeah. of me that's sad. He's 23, he's off to France to play. But you look at it, there's not many players that go to France, Jodie Wilkinson, uh, from England and carve up and absolutely love it. But Zach Mercer could be that lad. Andrew, you
0: were that lad as well for breath, but no one saw
2: it. Um, (laughs) Got me back
0: in the England team, actually, that did. I left Leicester. I hadn't been picked for ages and I knew I wasn't going to get picked under that coach. Very similar circumstances, actually, to Brian Ashton was head coach and he was just never going to pick me. So I thought, Breathe have come in, offered me a hell of a deal. Um, you know, I'm never going to play for England again, so why not? And I think Zach isn't thinking in his mind he's never going to play for England again, but he's thinking right now under Eddie Jones, he hasn't spoken to him in two years. So why isn't he going to go and take the opportunity? And you hear him talk about how he wants to go and better himself as a player and as an individual. He loves a challenge. I think it's great for him. You know, I'm sad that he's leaving the Premiership and potentially, you know, playing for England because he's a brilliant player. But for him as an individual and his family, his missus and a lifestyle choice, it's an amazing opportunity. And hopefully, you know, I I tried to press him on it a little bit. Does he want to come back to England? He, He just said, who knows? You know, I might turn into a Stefan Armitage and end up living out there forever. But, you know, we all want to see him play for England because of the quality that you just talked about. And hopefully he goes there. Carves up, comes back to the Premiership. Um, maybe Eddie's not in a job anymore in a couple of years and he gets picked. Who
1: knows? Well, Ireland hit some form, winning 48-10 on Italy and Rome. What do you guys make of that game?
2: Really impressed with Ireland, to be fair, under a bit of pressure, I think, going into that game. And you could see the relief, Andy Farrell and the players after the game. I still genuinely think Italy are improving. I know it sounds a ridiculous thing to say. I genuinely think they look all right in in parts of their game physicality in the back row you know young halfback pairing but really professional performance from Ireland I think you could have gone there and made it a tough game for yourself but I like Ireland as well I'm being positive look at me You're so positive James. yeah I am I'm Wales I'm a Celt aren't I and, <laughs> uh, but yeah I think loads of positives from an Ireland perspective obviously watching Craig Casey who we spoke about the week before commentating on him for the Munster hashtag always Edinburgh game and you can actually see some evolution now in the Ireland squad. You know, Will Connors got... in
0: the back row was awesome. Will
2: Connors, he's been classmate as well for Leinster. You know, seeing him play loads as well. So you look at their last two games for Ireland. Got Scotland away. So at BT Murrayfield, and then the big game for them, if they, well, I don't know, I think Scotland will win, but <laughs> that's just me being biased. Um The big game for them, the big test will be the England game uh, to see how they come through that.
1: Well, let's have a look at the Guinness Pint predictor on Match Pint to record. No, up. no, no, let's okay. not. The weekend guess. of Six Nations. How did you get on, boys? No, let's not look at that. German genuinely... 2850th, Gertie, 665th.
0: Jim, you're like 14,000th or something. I mean, how I'm bad a, are I'm you at shocker. this?
2: I'm really bad this time. Look, like, <laughs> This is a day for acceptance and holding my hands up. I've said (laughs) Wales, I'm sorry. Alan Wynne-Jones, I'm sorry. George North, I'm sorry. Matchpoint predictor, I am extremely sorry because (laughs) I am meant to be an
1: expert and it is embarrassing. The, where I am sitting in the league now. Well, if you want to get involved, it's the same format as usual. Just download the Matchpoint app from all good app stores, predict the scores, beat your mates, and win great rugby prizes, including signed shirts, ultimate home viewing bundles, and loads of great Guinness stash. And join the UK's biggest private league with the code RugbyPod. Nine of the top ten in the league at the moment are Welsh they back themselves and they're three from three. Whoever wins the Rugby Pod League outright is going to win last year's Calcutta Cup match ball signed by the captains Owen Farrell and Stuart Hogg. And on Thursday this week, fans can go into the Matchpoint app and answer 10 questions about the tournament so far for a chance to win a four-pack of Guinness delivered straight to your door. Let's have a look at the premiership. Now, Goody, what's happened to wasps? Oh, they've got the bug. Wasps have got the bug. See what I did there, Jim? Wasps
0: and a bug. They've got the Jim Hamilton bug, just giving penalties away, left, right and centre. Um, they've given 50 penalties away in their last three games, so discipline. I think Eddie Jones must have been down there just telling them what to do and how to train. But um, yeah, fair play. Irish are a good side. It was a, a bit of a turgid, scrappy game. Um, but yeah, it, Wasps, they're missing quite a few players. Fekker Toenails out. You know, obviously, Dan Robson, Launchbury, and I said it before. But tip the slipper to Irish because they got the draw last week against Bristol when they were getting absolutely humped at one point. Um they're a decent outfit. They play some quality rugby. Wats need to sort of discipline out. That's uh, that's all I can say really.
1: Exeter lost away at sale on Friday night, didn't they? No good for sale.
2: Um I'm obviously happy for them. We like Sale. We like Simon Orange. Only because his brothers only because his brothers were Jason Orange from Take That. And obviously Al Sanderson and you're thinking please not three in a row for Al Sanderson. You know Exeter for whatever reason, aren't as good this year. But a few talking points from that game. Jack Yendall, skips, red carded. And uh, as we, hey, we can speak about red cards if we want, but we don't want to be too negative. Um, Deserved red card. Uh, AJ McGinty, brilliant for um, sale again. Again? Who who was calling for Marcus Smith to go to sale? Was that you, Jim? Yeah, it might have been me. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It might have been me. Um, But yeah, I mean, the premiership's wide open. Big win. Big win against a
0: good Exeter team, but with 14 men. What are you going to do? You talk about that Jack Yandel red card. That's his first card in... I can't remember what the stat is. Call it 200 games. First ever card of any colour in 200 games, and he's a hooker. It's not a bad record, but then obviously it was quite costly. The the thing for Sale is it took him forever to break down the extra team. And they just kept playing kind of one-out rugby, trying to take extra on where they were strong. Cordero got hooked off um, once Yandel got red-carded so they could bring a hooker on and have eight forwards. So much space on the edge, but Sale didn't use it. But fair play, Curtis Langdon who was a young pup at London Irish when I did about three weeks of pre-season there. A lovely lad, actually. He can score, right? Yeah, he scored. Uh, eight, And as you said, A.J. McGinty he converts it, but also knocked a penalty over to win it at the death. And, you know, there was some controversy at the end of the game, though. They had an opportunity sale to end the game, boot it out. They didn't. Uh, Exeter end up getting a, a couple of penalties, go in the, uh, the length. And then there was a line-out five metres out,
2: Oh, I saw that bit of moaning by Sam Simmons. I
0: couldn't see it, though, when there was a push. Was nothing, a nothing happened.
2: Nothing happened. Sam Simmons, Desperado, uh, scored again, Sam
1: Simmons. And, yeah, he went very aper. Do you think you guys talked up Quinns a little bit too much last week? Mate, they just went to one of my old clubs, didn't they? That's all I'm saying. It's in the DNA, isn't it? You
2: know, I don't <laughs> want to be too horrible.
0: No. <laughs> no, they they made a load of changes, Quinns, to be fair. Um, what I can see, you know when Chris Ashton leaves... Uh, you know, you're bringing up Ashley or whatever, but Chris Ashton leaves and, yeah, they're saying there's plenty of good youngsters at the club. Tyrone Green on the wing, he's about 14 years old, but my God, he he played well. His finishing was top-notch, looks quick, strong, uh, very similar to Lewis Liner in in looks, um, played exceptionally well. But, yeah, I mean... They made a load of changes. This is a tough block, and we've always said we're going to see a Premiership that's super competitive this year, with you know some freak results because of COVID and and how teams are preparing and everything that goes with it. That we perhaps don't understand because we're not living in one of those bubbles. But I think there's something like ten or twelve Premiership games on the spin here, um, and we we spoke to to Zach Mercer about it earlier. It's tough to back it up week on week on week because of the condensed season. Um, and Quinn's had to you have to rest and rotate. You can't just go with your top boys week in, week out. They did. Newcastle hadn't played for quite a few weeks actually because they had a, a couple of games cancelled. Um, you know, rocked up and Brett Conan taught him everything he knows when I was at Newcastle a few years ago and he kicks the winner to um to give Newcastle the points. So um yeah, I mean Dino'll be happy because obviously with Bloodgate when he was at Quinns he, he left and it's always nice to beat one of your old teams. I remember when I came out of retirement and we beat Quinn's and me and Dino had a beer in the changing room afterwards. And we're the only two people drinking. Everyone else was on the old protein shake. So I was like, Dino, get the fish and chips in as well, son.
1: Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you by the helpful guys at Sons who are helping men with one of the key issues that doesn't often get talked about, how to keep your hair. They're a men's health brand that offers a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss. And they deliver via a monthly or three-monthly subscription direct to your door. It's reasonably priced and they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So just visit suns.co.uk and use the code rugbypod20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk and the code is rugbypod20.
0: Yeah, loads of good. Uh, we're going to start off in France and there might be a bit of a theme running through this. We're going to start off in France, the top 14. Toulouse won 14 points to 11 away at La Rochelle who were top of the table. So a massive win for Toulouse and they had Cheslin Colby playing at 10. I mean, how French is this? Cheslin Colby starting at 10, but Zach Holmes, who is a 10, started at 13. Didn't see it, but that's mental. Yeah, and effectively, Cheslin Colby played pretty well, actually. And, of course he did. You know, let's just say that um, Fabian Gautier went to watch that one as well. Who knows? <laughs> I've heard that Cheslin Colby is
2: going to Natal Sharks with Sia really yeah there's a rumor for you probably yeah, probably go. not right i get everything wrong
0: yeah put it out there uh well else was good sam simmons we mentioned exeter lost the game but sam simmons 12 tries in 11 premiership games now not a bad record eddie maybe give him a, a go in the england squad um back in the premiership and staying there zach mercer we had him on earlier a fantastic win for bath but two tries and a man of the match performance in bath's win down at saints and some pretty brutal blisters to show as well and staying in that game We've got to tip the slipper fully to Rhys Priestland. Um, I mentioned it last week where he was getting close to the record. He was one behind Johnny Wilkinson in terms of Premiership consecutive kicks at goal. And he went through the record. He is now the Premiership's top most consecutive kick point scorer, if that makes many, any sense. How many, he's basically how many. He's basically got over 30 now. So, um, yeah, it was a tough conversion as well to, to break the record. So, so,
2: over 30, not missed.
0: Yeah, 30 on the spin. That's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. I
0: always think, with the, I'd be thinking so much different shit when I'd be kicking a goal. I'd miss every one. <laughs> well, that's what I did. I think my record was about four on the spin, to be fair. But, yeah, I mean, he'd have known going into that game, he needed two kicks um, to... Break the record. One to equal it, two to break it. Um, So, yeah, phenomenal effort. 30 on the spin in some of the conditions he's kicked in this season as well. Uh, Fair play. So, big shout out to Rhys Priestland. Um, Let's go over to Ireland, shall we? And Peter Stringer's post on social media. How good. Amazing. How good. (laughs) Amazing. Peter Stringer is vertically challenged, as is Craig Casey. Um, I didn't realise how short Craig Casey was, to be fair. Um, but tip the slipper to Craig Casey, first and foremost, for your first cap. Hell of an impact coming off the bench there. But also the picture of Peter Stringer fully grown up holding what could be Craig Casey just before lockdown. And, and he mentioned that as well, didn't he? I thought it was a brilliant tweet, a uh, bit of banter. So well done to those two. Um, staying in Ireland, their performance over in Italy Professional. Their attack looked sharp, but a special mention to Will Connors. I thought his performance was phenomenal for them yeah, in the back row. So well done him. Um, what else was good? Rugby Pass, Jim. Yeah. I'm going to say Jim Hamilton and Rugby Pass. Yeah, okay. Because they bought Super Rugby Aterua to the people. They bought it to the people. We could all watch it over the weekend. How good was it to see? Thank you, Rugby Pass. You've made thousands of people up and down the UK and the British and Irish Isles very happy with supplying us with the ability to watch Super Rugby Aterua. And Andy Rowe, you, you obviously subscribed and you were pretty happy with that as well, weren't you?
1: Yeah, very, very happy.
0: Finally the good we can only go to one place really and that is wales yes i agree the land of our fathers the land of of our fathers well my grandfather was born in wales so i'm a quarter welsh but uh, a fantastic performance from them special shout out to george north the youngest player ever to reach 100 caps for his country had an outstanding game Callum Sheedy off the bench made a big difference as well. Um, They were heavily criticised in the autumn by Jim Hamilton. I'm sorry. They've been heavily criticised since the World Cup in 2019 by Jim Hamilton. I'm sorry. But Wayne Pivak, his coach, is Stephen Jones, who I messaged after the game at the weekend, such a top bloke Stephen Jones is as well. They've been given pelters in the press by Jim Hamilton and friends. They've come good. They're three from three. They've beaten England at home, with a bit of help from Pascal goes there, but mainly themselves. Tip the slipper to Wales, everyone involved in that team, especially George North and his 100 caps. They get the good this week.
2: On Stephen Jones, when he was meant to come to Leicester that time, good, probably to replace you. Yeah, Myself, Jono, Geordie, all the legends of the club have taken him out and yeah. he's come with his agent got absolutely slippervilleed,, Yeah, and he ended up signing for Claremont because he, he, he weren't keen he, he he didn't like, I, can, I can't <laughs> do it we're like you Welsh bad you bad we're just
0: screaming butt at him and then he didn't ever come back and I've not spoken to him since no he's a top bloke his Jonesy um, the bad uh, we'll start off in Wales again I mentioned it earlier, the Dragons, but lost 26-15 at Zebra in the Guinness Pro 14, who didn't even have any of their in- Italian internationals. So, Dragons, I mean, Naz. just playing the defence coach. Is he defence coach? What is he? Well, he's not, but let's just say he is. Just blame Luke <laughs> Narrowway. I mean. <laughs> How bad's that? Dragons losing to Zebra away from home, uh, not long after Wales are beaten England. Um, what else was bad, Jim? Your team. Hashtag Always. Back to back defeats in the past two weeks at home, losing to the Scarlets 25 I mean, what's yeah, going on there?
2: Yeah, I know. I know it's not a great season.
0: But what you no, say? Why, why do you want cockers out, mate? Why are you being horrible?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I don't want cockers out, but I was just thinking about the my other team, Saracens beat Cov. Don't know if you saw that.
0: No, I didn't actually. Did the they beat the big him? one?
2: The big one. The funniest thing was I was having the chat with Kelly Brown because he's going back from Glasgow They've to Saracens, it, yeah. and we were talking about their loss to Leinster, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it's all right though. Saracens beat Cov. and I said. This is how bad it has got for Saracens, that me and you, two Saracens legends, are talking on the phone, and the line that has come out of your mouth is, it's all good, Saracens beat Cov.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a fall from grace, not just for you, but also for Saracens. Jeez. Yeah, they'll be back though, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what else was bad? England's discipline, or lack of it at times in the game, that cost them dearly. But let's not beat around Jim's bush anymore. The bad this week can only go to a collective country with certain individuals that are going to get a special mention and that country jim is china uh france france France. yeah france france definitely france starting off with um about Roman Poit at the weekend? Uh, Ian Henderson puts the ball over the line, dabs it down, the ball then no, comes no, no. loose. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm just having a galois outside. No problem. Expresso. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It is not try. High five. It was a try, Roman. So let's talk about him. He was terrible. Ray now the referee. Mm, not much better. Uh, Pascal there in Cardiff. Poor he's, at, least he's, at least he's put his hands up and said he's made mistakes. So that wasn't great. But the big one, the main one, Fabian Galtier. My goodness me. What are you doing? Whether he went to watch his son play or whatever he did, and the players went for waffles, and everything's kicked off, and then you blame someone in Ireland, then you blame a seven- Oh no, it's all you, Fabian. Blame the Irish. The bad this week can only go... Let's just give it the whole of France, mate. Whole of France, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the ugly um, social media... The abuse directed at Sonny McLaughlin, just disgraceful. Um, have a word with yourselves. Would you say it to your mum, your sister, your brother? No, you wouldn't. So wind your neck in. Stop being horrible to everyone. No death threats to Genji. No abuse to Sonny McLaughlin or any other people. Think about what you tweet. Have an opinion by all means, but there's a line. And do not step over the line and get personal and aggressive and abusive. It's just not nice.
1: Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. Would I be pod? That was my Welsh accent to say sorry again. I love you all. <laughs> pod, pod, pod. <laughs>